This is iFanboy Pick of the Week 673, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you. The world is a vampire. Hello, welcome to Fanboy Pick of the Week, episode 673. My name is Connor Kilpatrick, and Josh Flanagan has returned. I have returned to you now at the turn of the tide. Are you tanned? Are you rested? <sighs> no. And... No. Oh, nope. Nope. No. No, I went have with my Have you ever kid. been tanned? When I was a little kid, I actually did live in Florida, like, bef- like ages two to four. And at that point, I was tanned when you were for me. Which we now know, really bad for kids. especially very fair-skinned kids like me also i remember a great deal of sunburning in the early part of my life which again we now know real bad so so definitely keep going to florida then well i i i don't plan to make a, a a big habit of it however there are some things about it that are good well i hope you enjoyed your vacation florida there are some things about it that are good we are iFanboy, and every week we read a bunch of comics, and one of us picks their favorite book. We call that the pick of the week. We talk about that book, some other books we read, the patron picks, some powers, listener mail if we've got time. We have a good old fun family Christmas. Woo! Holy um, cri- Holy shit. Where's the Tylenol? <laughs> so, uh, spoiler warning, there'll be some spoilers. This is a review show, so if you're worried about that, exercise some caution, use the show notes. This week, Josh, you had the pick, and I thought it was a, it was a pretty strong week. It was a strong week. Uh, pick, compared to last week, for sure. Yeah. Uh, you know what? It's funny, because I actually was reading my books kind of steadily last week. Anyways, pick of the week is The Green Lantern number five. I'm going to get to that in a second. I was determined not to get way behind on my books, so I was sort of reading my comics here and there when I had a couple of minutes. You know, like at night, I'd read one or two, and then wherever. Uh, and I was really enjoying that. I was like, this is great. Just read a little bit of comic books and move on instead of like, quick, read. Okay. And I, oh, I got two more, you know? Um, and I did find myself, I was like, I'm really enjoying reading these comics. And it's mm-hmm. not that I don't, but just with a little breathing space, it was nice. Cause I was like, I do still like comics. It's not just the job, I suppose. It, it's a different experience when you're not reading them for the show. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. However, then I did have thoughts and I was like, these <laughs> thoughts are all wasted. It's just me, and I could talk to my wife about it, but she does not give a shit. Um, no. And I could call you, but you're like, we already did the show, dude. I'm not doing this. It already me. happened. I don't do shows twice. <laughs> we- I don't talk about books twice. <laughs> it's not true. We've done it. I, you can actually, I actually emailed Connor a couple times. I was like, this is really good. He's like, I know. And I was like, all right, we can still talk to each other off the mic. That's good. <laughs> anyway, I was really excited to get back here today. Um for sure. So Greenland, the Greenlander number five was the first book that I read where I thought, well, that's a pick. Like I, I, I finished, I got to the last page. And went, that's a, that's a pick right there. Now I still had about half of my books to go after that. And there were uh, several others and we'll get to some of those today where I thought that could be a pick too. Yes. It was a, this was a week where I don't even know what I would have done. Cause it was, those probably five books I could have made the pick. You know what it was a week for this week? It was a week for comics exclamation point. Yeah. You know what I mean? Comics. Just fun comics. Exclamation point! Like you'd see on a spinner rack, and it was that feeling a lot, and I really like that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I want to coin that. Put that on the t-shirt. Um, 
Okay, so the Green Lantern, uh, the, the thing was, it started out and it was uh, that, that feeling of, wait, did I miss an issue? And I was pretty sure I didn't, but I never know with me. And um, I thought, and I don't think I do, and I think that this is intentional, which is, which is a really, uh, and it was. As you get through the issue, you find out that, you know, you're sort of, at the beginning, you're, Hal Jordan is stuck in a vampire world. What the heck's going on? And then at a certain point later on, it's, you know, like two weeks ago or two months ago or whatever it was, and you sort of get the explanation for what it is. Now, we have complained about this feeling with other books before. Um, but in those cases, it was not intentional. Or if it was intentional, it wasn't done well. But with right. this, and a little bit of this goes with, like, I give credit to the writer. I say, well, I trust Grant Morrison I, to, you know, know what he's doing. And he did. Um, but I, I was really interested in making that distinction. Because well, it's all about the execution. And yeah. He's, he's, really, he's, he's really good at that Aaron Sorkin thing where you start at the end of the mm-hmm. story and move backwards. Or, yeah, or that's, that's structure, true. Structure. Um, yeah, and, and like, because basically you are right away, you're in the story, there's a big thing going on, it seems like everything has changed. Um, the only thing that hasn't changed, the only thing that really feels consistent in this, though, is that when I read this, I go, that's Hal Jordan. Mm-hmm. And Hal Jordan is not a character who's very consistent. I think it's difficult for people to get a handle on him. We've talked about this a lot, to sort of make him feel like he is the way he is. And, and it happens every once in a while. Uh, it comes up, but there's been, a, it's almost like there's as many comics where I'm like, this doesn't really ring as true Hal Jordan to me, but that is the thing about this book that I think does, is that it's it's Hal Jordan, space cop, he's the he's the cop who, uh, you know, runs afoul of the of the captain, Jordan, you know, <laughs> you know, but he's trying to do the right thing, but he's not necessarily going to follow the rules to do that, Um and that's what we see in this. And there's a so there's this really sort of fun, crazy action zombie vampire world that he's going through and and trying to survive. And it looks like it's a test. And and, and then you find out that he's infiltrated the Black Stars uh, due to an order from uh, one of the Guardians. Which the, the Guardian scene was actually really good. I liked how it was sort of he's like, well, it's you, Jordan. You're gonna do what else? You're gonna do whatever you want anyway. But this is what you need to do. Um, yeah, I mean, we we had talked previously about how he had basically murdered that guy. You know, we yeah. all saw it. He had a gun, and how crazy that was. Um, and here it's revealed that that was done on purpose. I mean, he he. I guess he still killed the guy, but on orders from the guardians, basically, you know, do whatever you have to do, kill right. someone to get pick to get recruited by the black stars, which is basically like an evil Green Lantern Corps. And so that's what that's what that was before. And I also just really like we talked about it before, but this issue was especially like it that this is a very weird book. Yes, and if any if any book in DCU can be super weird and makes sense, it's Green Lantern because he's constantly on alien worlds, dealing with alien people and planets and civilizations, and they're not all just humanoids. You know, it's not but, like Star Trek. But it usually it's, it's isn't. really weird. Yeah, and that's the thing. Where it, where nobody it works for them. Yeah, nobody takes it weird. Uh, and then the other half of that is that, boy, anytime Liam Sharp wants to draw an alien world. You yeah. go for it. The the renderings of the sort of landscapes on this gothic vampire planet are, are amazing. And then we do get one more shot of sort of how he draws Oa. I I, I don't I'm like I there should be some sort of drawing space Oa uh, Eisner. <laughs> Every time he draws that world, I'm like, my God, look what he's doing. Like it's yep. this drawing is better than whatever like Lucas came up with for um the whole city is a planet that one. Uh, Coruscant. Coruscant, of course. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's so good. I, I yeah, don't, I don't, weird. you know, it's... A lot of lights everywhere. There's floating lights. It's... Yeah. 
it feels very alien too. It, it just everything about this feels weird. And you know, I, his his work didn't necessarily work on a book like Wonder Woman. Yeah, but it really works here. And also, I want to mention that. He does a really terrific, I don't know if it's intentional or not, Alan Davis impression on the cover. I really thought that was an Alan Davis cover um, based on the drawing of Hal. I, I kept looking for his name in the credits, but it wasn't. It was, it was It's Liam Sharp. Huh. He's he's really, really good Yeah. this type of story. And you're right. I mean, this feels like a bit, you know, two-fisted Hal Jordan ventures where he is – he has to run through a gauntlet. It's almost like the end of Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade where he's got to collect these three items. And to do that, he's got to run through a, a gauntlet of challenges, including a really creepy ghost scene where they really utilize modern coloring to make it seem like there's these creepy ghosts through his visor. And it was, it's a, it was a really fun book. Yeah. A really fun book. And yeah, it's totally, you know, this is this feels like a, like a British 70s comic. Yeah. And then and then finally, you know, like like I think the thing that really did seal it, though, is that... You know, the challenge at the end is that in order to get into the Black Stars, they give him one more challenge, and that is he has to kill Adam Strange. And I was like, ooh, a good cliffhanger. Well, first of all, terrific cliffhanger, Adam Strange. I, and I, 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 I made a noise. I went, ooh. You know? I don't know. You probably didn't listen to the last week's episode yet. Not but, yet, no. Um, Ryan and I talked about the fact that one of the benefits, the unforeseen benefits of the Bendis' DC run is that he keeps u- utilizing Adam Strange. Mm-hmm. And we're in an Adam strange And then he shows up here, and I was like, he's everywhere. It's great. He's he's wearing the proper helmet here too. Yes, he is. I noticed that. It was I was like, oh, this looks like Adam Strange with his gunslinger leather belts and and of course the the great pirate boots that all comic book characters should have when possible. He, he looks like the true Adam Strange with the the Silver Age helmet, the Finn yep. helmet, and all this. I just I just love that he is showing up everywhere now. Me too. I love Adam Strange. I don't know why. I have no reason for it. <laughs> you know, it's the, it's a man out of his world. It's it's the, it's the Finn. It's you know retro modern. It's uh, yeah. yeah. It's that sixties that sixties uh, space uh, aesthetic. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I mean, we've talked about this book several times, and it's been it's been I don't know if it's been picked before. It might have been, but it's been close. Um, it's a great. This is a great series. It's not. I don't hear anyone talk about it. I don't read about it. I don't uh, know how it's selling, but mm-hmm. um, hopefully, well enough that it gets to continue for a while because this is terrific. It is. It's just. It's fun, and it's one of those. It doesn't come out every two weeks. It comes out, you know, on a monthly schedule, so it it feels a little more special when it does. And I, and I look forward to it. like what's what's this going to be here? You know, yep. I don't know what I'm going to open up, but I know it's going to be imaginative, and I know there's going to be a lot of effort and passion on the page. Mm-hmm. Like there's no there's there's no half-assing happening here and even if it no. gets a little sort of pulpy and overdramatic like it's intentional and it, and and it really works lo- for the character yes in the setting yeah i really like the intention so i i i told you to read justice league 19 which you did clearly i did read justice league 19 what did you think about it it was pretty good and i thought you know maybe another week i might even make this pick of the week but i thought that's that's too <laughs> that's that's too you told me to read a thing and I was like maybe I do love it but I'm just I'm going to go with uh I really enjoyed it for the most part again comics with an exclamation point it was, it was Yeah I mean this was I haven't loved this run and I don't really love anything having to do with the metal storyline which is this is what it's all about mm-hmm. however this particular issue I thought was the best issue of the series so far in that it's they so the Justice League is fighting the Legion of Doom, who are trying to release Perpetua, the one of the original. Who, I mean, that's where it all gets muddled, and I don't. I start to not lose interest. But 
Yeah. Uh, here they enli- they the Justice League enlists the help of Mr. Mixius Pitalik, who I saw you saw his truck earlier. Yeah. This week. Um, Clitch is Pitalum. Um, God, I, I could say that, that all really day. So they need they need help on a cosmic level scale. So they wait. This is this is the time Mr. Pist- Mr. Mixius Pitalik shows up to torment Superman. So they. They confront him and say, "Hey, wouldn't you rather help us fight these people instead?" And he's like, "Oh, that's interesting." And so I, that was a really good reverse. Things. Yeah, it was really fun, and I really love the Jorge Jimenez art. He has a really interesting voice and style. It's it's a little stylized. It's what, really yeah. good action. It's 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 an unusual or unexpected choice for DC Comics to put him on Justice League at this time. Mm-hmm. Um. And I really like the the sort of surreal stuff that he got to draw with Mitch's Pitlick, where the city sort of comes alive, and you know they get to do the "your building just ate my building" gag, which whatever, give up a page for that. I'm fine with that. Um, I, I dug that, and I really did like the bit where basically they're trying to explain it to him. They they all the fight sort of starts, and he's like, "We're not here to get you. We're here, we're here for your help." And Mitch's Pitlick like gets real for a second. She's like, "You can stop. I, I know what you mean." You know, like, I've, I've been through this. What is it? And he goes to help them. Uh, yeah. It was super unexpected because it's really, you know, Mitch's pit looks tough. It's not tough in the Silver Age, and the Silver Age is perfect. It's tough now as a sort of thing to bring in that also hasn't been done a billion times. It sort of fits with a slightly more modern aesthetic, and I, I really like the twist on that. So Superman has to go into some portal, and he comes back older in different costume, and He's like, come with me, guys. It's all great. I fixed everything. And then you, you <laughs> which is out. always a red flag. <laughs> so, and then they, they, they're all sort of, uh, there's a, there's an older, there's different versions of them. Basically it's a trap because Superman is revealed to be trapped. Somewhere. Sure. And you know, you know what the best part of that, that page is, um, the page where he walks in, he's in all the white suit, like Gandalf the white, which yeah. I referenced earlier without meaning to, um, <laughs> The, the second and third panel on that page, the knock knock, and then the Batman and Martian Manhunter head turn with that little motion line yeah. over his eye yeah. and the squinted eye. I was like, that's great. That's great <laughs> comics right there. That's storytelling. Um, I also love the flashes faces are going through the portal. <laughs> <laughs> um, however, what? however, just because I, you know, I want to give with both hands. There's a bit uh, where uh, at the beginning Superman's flying around and they come upon the, the group of firefighters who are the Justice League in disguise because Wonder Woman learned to spell. And then they cut to the sort of team shot on the title page. Yeah. Why is Flash sitting on the ground? That's a, that's a dumb choice. He's tired. He runs a lot. No, nah, he's like, what's up, man? I'm going to sit here. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's the, I just was like, there's no there's no reason to be sitting on the ground. I guess, I, honestly, they just ran out of room, I think. But Yeah, no, I, it was a compositional choice, but I, I it caught So me. one of the things interesting about this um, it's just one of those dumb comics editorial problem things is that when Starman was brought back uh, a couple issues ago, Jim Chunk drew him and he had like, you know, he's got that platinum hair and they gave him this like old craggly face. It looked like he'd spent like years out in the desert and n- nowhere near moisturizer forever. Mm-hmm. And and it was in- really interesting because he, he's an older character. He's from the past. So it, it set him off from the other characters very easily visually. But every every other artist draws him as young and pretty. It's bizarre. It's like this is the kind of thing that editor. This is an editorial problem. This mm-hmm. is an, an editor's mistake. It's just bizarre that they gave him such a the unique look when they brought him back originally in the however many issues ago. And now ever since then, whoever's drawing the book has just drawn him as a you know twenty five year old model, and it's it's bizarre to me. Yeah, but I thought this was a ton of fun. 
And it's a nice respite from, I mean, the rest of the story is, I don't really care about the metal stuff and the source wall and all that stuff. But yeah. this particular bit of it is fun. And the twist at the end was interesting. The cliffhanger was interesting. So there's time travel relativity. There's yeah. sort of big, silly stakes. There's that drawing of the, the sort of white golden Superman is just wonderful. It's great. It's great. So, I mean, I, I, one of the many, many comics I could have made pick was Doomsday Clock, number nine, which we just joked about last week. Remember that book? Um, Jeff Johns, <laughs> Gary Frank. And this is the issue I think everyone was waiting for when they first announced it. Yeah. Nine issues into 12. So. I got to that first page and I thought, please don't do a straight up, like, like I thought they were going to do the, the fearful symmetry issue or something. Yeah. Like the whole way. And I was like, that's too gimmicky. And then it wasn't that. It was, all right, here's the superheroes that we know dealing with this in this style. Uh, John Constantine's weird accent notwithstanding. Everything else was uh, was very cool. It's just very it cool. cool. Basically, I mean, I don't know how smart it is to send essentially every superhero in the DCU to Mars to fight Dr. Manhattan, but... Um, whatever you know, they're all in several spaceships flying to Mars and that was awesome that little sequence where you mm-hmm. see all the different sh- people in the ships and I, um, all the groupings and everything but uh, you know they, they confront Dr. Manhattan on, on Mars and it doesn't go all that well and I, I, I mean I, I love that Guy, Gar- Guy Gardner is the, like let's make him the guy who, who loses his temper and screws things up and I was like I know it's a cliche but I love it when it happens <laughs> so yeah I mean it's it still doesn't make a whole hell of a lot of sense. It still feels like this was where DC was going until they went another way, but they had to finish the book mm-hmm. because it doesn't it doesn't feel relevant to what's happening in anything else. And I don't even mean from an event standpoint; just I mean from a general aesthetic. This seemed to be where DC was heading when they published Rebirth. Yeah, and Jeff Johns was in charge. You know, he was setting the tone, setting you know, and and re, re sort of reestablishing all the heroes. We were it seemed like we were leading at this point, and then at some point along the line. He was no longer CEO, CCO, and then they went off. DC went in another way, mm-hmm. and uh, so this is why the book feels weird to me because I don't know what it all means other than it's a really fun book to read and it looks it, gorgeous. That's all that matters. Yeah, yeah. This sort of combination Gary Frank Dave Gibbons thing is really interesting to look at, just the whole way through and sort of how he's doing it. And I don't know because yeah, like, you, you wish you 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 wish he had more room to breathe. Sometimes, yeah, but I think that they're sticking to nine pound grid, but it is it leads to very interesting work. Well, I think that, but that's I mean, that's part of the feeling of the book. You know, Alan Moore was not was was and uses the word already, but intentional. There's a claustrophobia to this, Mm -hmm. you know, but also like a it's a simplicity. Like you have to do the work when it's like this. You can't you can't rely on tricks really, other than you know very basic ones. Um, And it is a book where. If you flip through it, it's a shit ton of talking heads, which is usually a no-go, but it, it works. And also you can see why it takes so long because he's yes. doing he's doing nine drawings a page. With, with with a thousand characters. Yeah. And and a lot of stuff going on and they're good drawings. He's so good. He's he's incredibly good. Yeah, he is. He's worth the wait. Yeah. I wouldn't want absolutely. a fill-in artist too to to speed the book up. I mean, as much as it's frustrating, it's so slow. It's frustrating that because I would prefer DC going this direction, but obviously it's not, so it's fine. Uh-huh. But uh, it's just it's worth it. If, if it's going to just be this book on its own, like an old like an Elseworlds book, then that's fine. Just let it's it come totally out. Totally fine. It comes out. It's totally fine. Um, 
I thought one of the stories of the of book comics this week was that there was a lot of really terrific art. Mm-hmm. There and was. I want to talk about Batman number 66, Tom King, and the art of Jorge Fornas, which I've mentioned before. He did some piece of some book. Um, but he it's, is so fucking good. Is a, there's a lot of Mazzucchelli here. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and I love the question. I, I don't I, like I don't want a lot of them and I think it can get overdone really easily. But when they, they get it just right, you know, it's just him sitting in a room with with Selena. It's you know, that's the question. Well, that's, I mean, this is another dream issue. I know you don't like those. However, I know, but it was good. It was really good. The, the question and Selena's conversation uh, again, returning to the idea of the meta commentary of comics in which, mm-hmm. you know, she remembers in a meeting in, in the Batman year one, he remembers a meeting back in the golden age comics and they, you know, it's different. And, uh, I just love the questions, body language, his yeah. outfit. I love everything about him. Yeah. And I just, I mean, obviously Fornes is doing Mazzuchelli, whether intentionally or not, but he's really good at it. And there's some really gorgeous pages here and, and really nice composition. There's that sort of, there's, he's got, he canted angles in a couple of places just really beautifully there's actually there's almost something on every single page as you I love the shot it. of when Selena's coming down and they're upside they're doing the upside down thing yeah. and that really long skinny panel that was terrific um there's a really great panel of just the two of them in the shadow sort of like you know about to embrace there's just terrific even the action stuff where they're jumping yeah. up the buildings but then the, the you know the sort of star for me was Selena and the question he- and also that that sequence where they where he's Batman's getting up from being hurt and he's facing all the different villains was really great too. Mm-hmm. It's a good book. Yeah, it really it really was. And and I I was thinking as I was reading I was like this is still another dream sequence one, but this one completely works for me because it I don't know, it wasn't weird for the sake of weird. It was, you know, I felt like we were doing something. Well, cuz basically it's the two of them talking. Yeah. And everything else is sort of representation of their conversation. So it's not like Mhm. It could. It, it didn't need to be. It couldn't. It it, it could not be a dream sequence. And it, the, there was also happen. not a lot of that. In a lot of those kind of books, you get a lot of stuff like, "Why is this happening? What is this?" The person in the middle of it, and that wasn't happening. Right. You know, it was just it was a conversation that was moving towards some truth or something. You know, something that was useful to the story overall. Well, yeah, he's clearly. I mean, colored by Dave Stewart didn't hurt. It's all good and a great uh, Doc Shaner variant cover uh-huh. i mean we just talked about four books in a row all with exceptional art all from dc comics a place where we always complain about art yeah no, that's true they have an art problem uh well, except when they don't <laughs> right and it, well the high profile books tend to be okay but you know dan didia said in comics pro that they were gonna focus back on house style so who knows what that <laughs> means um, means cheaper artists. <laughs> That's what it means. Because I mean, a fewer books, which we'll get to in a minute after we yeah. after we take a minute to to talk about how to help play fanboy. Full, I don't know that I completely mind that as an overall strategy. <laughs> 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 I will say that because of patreoncom fanboy there is uh, to me uh, a, a more of a pressing like I really feel like I should read more of these, and because of it, we're all reading more books than we ever were, which mm-hmm. is odd this long in. If you'd asked me five years ago, where how many books would you be reading now? Oh, Josh is reading four books a week, and it says deal well, with there, it. Well, there was a time on the show mm-hmm. many, many, many years ago where you were down to like – it felt like you were down to like 10 books. Yeah. So like on the show, it was, like Ron and I were carrying the load because you'd be like, oh, I read two books. 
<laughs> you gotta read more, Josh. You need help. Listen, that was very early it's on. been a long time. Uh, but I'm reading a lot now, and one of the reasons that I'm doing that is because we've got so many helpful patrons. Patrons. I always get that wrong. Patrons on Patreon. Um, and you uh, can be a part of this. Basically, the idea is that in this world, with so many things making content and so much distraction, and honestly, not really a way to make it big off of this stuff in the same way that you used to. What, and then what it is, then you have to decide... Yeah, it's actually, yeah, <laughs> making big really means paying bills, uh, but it still takes time, and, and, and if you like something and you want to support it, uh, then you can show that uh, directly, which means that, you know, we owe you. <laughs> so uh, you can you can go over there, and we have stretch goals. We are already we're, we've been coming through on a lot of our goals after we reach certain milestones for a while. That leads that leads to the book explode shows and the talk explode shows and and stuff like that. And of course, those T-shirts that was part of it too, uh, which I will get to. Our next stretch goal is uh, the addition of a non-monthly comics pad- podcast, a sort of the all media podcast, but in a smaller version. Uh, on a on a monthly version, um, where and and then we will also upload all the missing full length video shows and minis to the YouTube channel and reembed them on the website, which is, but you know, part of me wants to reach that goal, part of me doesn't. Uh, it's a lot of work. <laughs> it is a lot of work. Uh, if you want to be a little more direct about it, uh, you can go over to ifanboy.threadless.com. There are seven designs there. Uh, nothing makes sense. Nothing matters is the, is the big standout, but there's also some other niche ones. We are in the process right now of narrowing down a couple of designs because we did say we would get somewhere up there. So we're yeah, working on Yeah, we've actually got two we're talking about, two yep. designs we're talking about. So, so hopefully before Comic-Con. I'm not going to say look for those soon, but it's it's a thing. It's not, It's definitely an ongoing discussion. We just don't want to throw you something that's crappy. So we want to make sure that it's right uh, for you guys. I just bought my second Nothing Makes Sense, Nothing Matters t-shirt. Why? Because I bought one in bl- sort of black, uh-huh. and then I was like, I also want like a poppier one, so I bought okay. a royal blue one. Huh. I, I Depending on my that. mood, you know? I just, I totally understand that. It's hard to... Some, I never used to dress in all black, but sometimes I do now. I'm like, yeah, I do look pretty cool. Well, um, I like black t-shirts a lot, but I also wanted one like if I felt like I was in like a four-color comics mood to have like sure. a royal blue and red sure. and yellow one. That's, uh, that's Connor with an exclamation point. That's right. That's, uh, and if, if none of that works for you, you can go to uh, ifanboy.com slash support. You'll find a direct uh, PayPal link there. We still have that if, if uh, you think, hey, you know what? Th- this whole thing is about, like, do you like the things we do? Do you want to help support it? Do you want to show how it's valuable to you? Uh, we both do this for other shows we like. It's the same way you you donate to NPR or PBS or, you know, something much more intelligent than us, basically. Um, and you also find a link. Smart. And ifanboy.com slash am. We're intelligent. It's just being wasted on useless things. Um, <laughs> you go to ifanboy.com slash Amazon. Uh, you'll find links to buy the books on on our books explode. And um, every week, uh, the pick of the week is, is linked there. Uh, or you can just find a general link to get over there. And um, the way the affiliate work affiliate accounts work is that we get a little, little bit of that uh, of your purchases over there. So we thank the folks who do that, too. Um, let's move on to more comic books because there are more. Another possible pick of the week contender. Yeah. Uh, there's two more for me. Uh, is Conan the Barbarian number four uh, by Jason Aaron and the amazing Gerardo Zafino, who I well, that's good. I couldn't tell. I looked. I was like, is he related to Jorge Zafino? And I couldn't find information on it one way or another. Um, this book was beautiful. Well, that's the thing. Talking about art, so I saw it wasn't Mahmoud Asra, and I was like, oh. I then, did the same thing, and then moments later, I was like, eh. <laughs> well, I didn't love the first page uh-huh. the second page. And then I got to the third page, and I was like, whoa. And then I just kept going, whoa, over and over. And by the end of it, 
with all due respect to Michael Mudatsar, who's terrific, I was like, if he if he was a new artist, I'd be fine with this. This is well, terrific. This the, is, are these coming I mean, out every two weeks? Yes. Yeah. So I mean, if these if these are the guys that are switching off, yeah, do it. Great. I mean, it looks like nothing else on the stands. It looks very European. Yeah. Um, uh, I love the story of you know, it's it's a classic Conan cliche, but it's a great one. You know, old man Conan finally gets the throne and hates the bureaucracy of running the country and just wants to kill people. So he starts sneaking out. He puts a he puts a mask on. It's really creepy. That looking. design of the mask with his scary eyes is it's great. So he goes out and starts like acting basically like a vigilante in his own kingdom and at night killing murderers and rapists and kidnappers and it's, and with, with his lion sidekick. It, it's, it yeah, it's Conan as so Punisher. Good. It was so good. Was and so as good. you as you go through it, it kept getting. I was like, this is just oh, it, it was it was like even if it was only art to look at. It was so yep. good. It didn't even but matter, was, but the rest of and and you know no disrespect to Jerry Duggan, uh, but this is the better Conan book. And also, um, I had a thing. I had a point, and I, it, as it was coming out, it disappeared. Mm-hmm. But it was oh, also this was the best issue of the series so far. Much like earlier when I said that about Justice League. Yeah, this yeah. is a good week. It was. A, it was. It was a really good week. Oh, look In at the it. first week, we've had Red Sonia come out alongside Conan, which is funny as we talked about because they're different companies, but they're the same world. I, I'm sorry. I want to. I want to make one more point about Conan before we mm-hmm. before we move on. If you look at the corners and the edges of the panels. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ink goes over it. Yes, in I a like bunch of a places. Man, that's nice. And I don't know if this is digital or not. Um, part of me hopes it isn't because yep. I want it to be real like that. But either way, you know, it sort of blurs the line of the where you can be like, oh, that's totally digital. Well, we we always like when books look like you can see the drawings, and that's something that Jason Aaron collaborators tend to do. Isad that's true. Is one of them does that a lot too. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, that's a Gara thing. For sure. Anyway, yeah, Red Sonja 2, this would have had a shot too. This was better than the first issue, which I liked a lot. Um, Mark Russell, Mirko Kolak. I like the clever gamesmanship that is going on. Yes. uh, Between Red Sonja and the Emperor, who's very funny. (laughs) I love the whole opening when he has to leave and his kid is sad and he's like, and and the wife doesn't really care. It was. It was fun. It was funny. I mean, that part was funny, but you're right. I mean, you get to see why Red Sonia is a good leader here. She totally yeah. outsmarts this guy, even though he doesn't realize it. And we don't even realize it until it's happening. And it was it was very clever. That kind of sort of not trickster, that's not really the word, but the sort of clever outthinking kinds of plots are always very impressive to me. Mm-hmm. You know, like the people who write Danny Ocean are much smarter than I am. Right. You know, and it's easy because they know what the outcome is going to be. But I always like that engineering of of how a plan comes together. You know, well, and it, and it, you know, there are clues here. Once you feel like, yeah, once you realize what's happening, you can go back and see that the the emperor gave up too much information when they had their tete a tete, and so she used that to uh-huh. formulate her plan. We even we didn't realize it was happening, and it was it was good. It was real good. And uh-huh. the also the art and the Mirko Kolak art is is strong. It's real strong. It is. It's, it's a lot of horses, which are to say. You know, I, I, it's, it's, I, I was, it's not really a slight against against the publisher, but this is better than a lot of. This is better looking than than a lot of dynamite books I've read by sure. a considerable margin. They're um, doing better work with their higher profile stuff. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's really nice. Deadly class number thirty seven. Um, 
when this comes out, and I know it's a big deal now, I haven't seen the show, but... It's very good. I just want to say the show is surprisingly very good. And we made Luz Rick to TV because he's a... He show runs it. Yeah, no, I, I get that. And I, I wouldn't blame him because he's he put in his dues and he's, he's got it. Anyway. I'm just saying he's very good at making television. So if we do lose him, I, mean, should I understand. Be. Yeah. I, I'm unsurprised is what I mean when I say he should be. Like, that doesn't surprise me in the least. Yeah. It, what surprises me in the least, what su- does surprise me is that he, as a relative unknown, was is given the power to hold sway over something like that to prove that he could do it. Yeah, I mean, he's a, he's a co-showrunner with a guy who's actually co- but right. still, he's, he's still. writing half the episodes. And uh, Yeah, it's the, it's the Kirkman carpet. They're like, well, he yeah. did it. Let this guy do it. Um, either way, when Deadly Class comes out, I sometimes forget that I like it. And so yes. I don't always look forward to reading it. And also because they're a little more spaced out now, I've lost the thread to a certain extent. However, oh, sure. with this issue, right away, I knew what was going on. And I was back in it and I was, I was page turning right to the end. Um, it's great. It was, it was a, pretty, a great issue. A pretty crazy, important cliffhanger yes. here. We talked this this is this week all about great art and great cliffhangers, and I actually kind of yelped when it happened because you know I don't want to spoil it. They'll give them the, the the warning, but another major character gets killed in this issue. And yeah, like, oh, and, and it was right. Oh, for sure. You know, like I was like, oh, that's totally. I didn't see it coming, but that's totally the correct choice for this. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, it was it was it was a really good issue. Is basically my point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this was big action. This yep. was this was Wes Craig at his finest. Um, speed lines and even the uh, sound effects having speed lines when they're really moving. And it's it's uh, he's great. And also, I just want to point out from the TV show that they do a lot of animated sequences for like exposition backstory that are oh, really? done in the Wes Craig style. Oh, that's awesome. You know? Yeah. So. Uh, that was really good too. Another really great book. I mean, I had a. It was a plethora of really great books, including Green Arrow Fifty, which is part of the. Hey, what does plethora mean? <laughs> Sorry, La- line reduction. I assume because this mm-hmm. was this was meant to go on for a long time, and all of a sudden it was canceled. So this was the final issue, um, which is a bummer because I feel like with the writers Colin Kelly and Jackson Lansing, and with Javier Fernandez, who is one of my favorite artists, and again another comic with terrific art this week. Uh, I thought they really found their groove for the last couple of issues, and it's unfortunate. So here we have an oversized issue. I think it's a double-sized issue. And the writers wrote on this week on social media about what had happened and how they had to basically cram 50 issues of story into this final issue. <laughs> and it's not, not exactly like that, but they had to basically take a lot of some of the concepts they wanted to explore in the next 50 issues and sort of sort of touch on them here. And so we get a couple of characters that introduced that they were going to use, and they deal with that box that John Jones gave Oliver that he gave as safekeeping to destroy the Justice League if they ever needed to be destroyed because they knew he would do it. And and then uh, sort of Black Canary and Oliver sort of you know reconcile and, and in in a complicated way, and it it just all was very high action and fast paced because they had a lot to do in. Double the double uh, double pages and it looks great because Javier Fernandez is terrific and I hope he lands somewhere very soon. It's a bummer. Green Arrow is sort of a cursed book in that his character was wildly changed with the New Fifty Two, uh, with the the DC Rebirth fix. They 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 fixed a lot of it. They were also sort of hamstrung by the TV show a little bit, trying to make it like the TV show somewhat. And finally, they just sort of went off and said, "No, let's just do Green Lantern stories and I mean Green Arrow stories." And that's when it really started taking off and unfortunately it's over so it's a bummer 50 issues of green lanterns no small th- or green arrows no small thing though historically speaking 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's a book that's gone on many, many, many. I mean, the even Mike Grell run ran for like five years. Yeah. Um, fifty. These fifty issues came out in I think three months. Yeah. That's true. Did you read? Did you read Cosmic Ghost Rider destroys the Marvel universe, the Marvel history? Uh, no. And I also didn't get the credits right in this, and I'm sorry. That's fine. Or the title. Cosmic Ghost Rider <laughs> destroys Marvel history, number one, uh, co-written by Paul she- the comedian Paul Shear and Nick Giovanetti. I don't know who that is, with art by Gerardo Sandoval. And uh, this is one of those classic Marvel humor books where some popular character at the time goes through Marvel history. It's out of continuity. It's it's all for fun. Um, really, really, really great cover by Gerardo Zafino. And I well, kind of wish he, he had drawn the interior because the cover is amazing. So this is this is a name you're going to be hearing from us again soon, clearly. Yeah. On books but, that uh, no one reads. So in this issue, because uh, the first issue of this miniseries, we get a one-page history of Cosmic Ghost Rider, which w- works really well. And then... Uh, he Frank gets sent back in time after the recent events. Uh, I mean, it doesn't really make sense. He's, he's he gets sent back in time to to old Marvel, and he goes and visits his family. Pretends to be Frank's uncle because Frank's at, Frank's gone. Hangs out with his wife and kids, and then uh, ends up sort of messing with the the creation of Fantastic Four. He goes he ends up being the one who accidentally gives them their cosmic powers, but then joins a team to the Fantastic Five. But then they they fire him because he's a bloodthirsty psychopath, and it's just it's just goofy stuff like that. Um, but it works; it's funny. Uh, Paul Shear, you can you can totally read Paul Shear's voice in a lot of this, um, which I like. He's 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 very funny. Um, the art is okay from the guy whose name is not in the script, but uh, it it's uh, <laughs> sorry. It's okay, um, I just want to scroll all the way back to find it. Uh, it was fun. If you like Cosmic Ghost Rider uh, and Frank Castle, it's actually a really uh, sweet issue because the first half he gets to hang with his kids and know, he knows he has to leave them eventually. Um, and he reveals to his son that he's a superhero and his son freaks out. And it's it's a, just it's a really fun story. Um, he hates Silver Surfer. If you recall, Silver Surfer hit him in the face with Thor's hammer. And that, I do that remember that. It. So whenever he tells his son about Silver Surfer in the retelling, Silver Surfer always comes off looking really terribly. Uh, when he's ret- when he's telling them about the Fantastic Four formation, um, it's just it's a fun Marvel romp, and in the in the classic Marvel way, they run into the creator God, the creator who is Jack Kirby, and <laughs> you know that kind of thing. But uh, in the next issue, I don't know. That having that have, that being said, I don't know if I'm going to read number two because it was fun. It was a fun uh, romp, and it's nothing against the creators who are, who are, the writers were terrific and the art was solid, but. I don't know if you need more than like a one shot of this kind of story. I don't know if you a, need like a full miniseries. It was a one issue stand. It was good. It was really good. I recommend everyone read it. Uh, it's, I mean, it's, it's a regular size comic, but I just felt like I when I when I finished, I was like that was fun. And then I saw the ni- number two, and I was like, ah, do I need another one? <laughs> That'll be a game time decision. But if you like it, if you like Cosmic Ghost Rider, you should read it. Well, there's a there's a, a corner here. I <laughs> thought we were going to get out of it with no corners, but. Fine. This is not a circular room this week. Uh, Black Hammer 45, and we talked last week, just the ever-expanding Black Hammer universe. And this is Jeff Lemire and Ray Fox plotted, Ray Fox written, and Matt Kent drawn a uh, Black Hammer story taking place during World War II. And uh, 
it's it's about the Black Hammer Squadron because this is there weren't superheroes at that. Oh, there were, but not the ones we're following. They weren't around yet. Um, so this is basically like a Marvel Universe esque World War II in which there are superheroes and there are giant Nazi robots and but there's also this this uh, ultra um, efficient brigade of uh, pilots who go on missions and this, obviously this mission is going to go wrong because it's told in flashback as two of the people involved are old, old men talking about it. So it was, it was good. Matt Kent is, is a terrific cartoonist. He's a very unusual style for this kind of story, but uh, it's sort of your classic superhero world war two story. And uh, by the old top shelf crew, by the old, yeah. I mean, it, what's interesting about it is you, the, the style they chose is you can totally see the, I guess the watercolor paper he used for this in the background of oh, everything. Nice. I always like you can, that. You can see the texture of the paper in every page, which is which is fun. I know what you mean. He's that's sort of, that's sort of his, one of his moves. Yeah, but uh, if, you know, as, as an as another expansion of the Black Hammer universe, it's a fun one. It doesn't feel like we're, you know, a lot of them are somewhat interconnected. We characters we see a lot, but this is totally new characters we haven't met yet. And I always like, you know, these comic booky World War II stories because they're still grounded enough. That there's stakes, but there's also giant Nazi robots and things like that, which are fun. That's so. fun. Black Hammer 45, number one. I assume this is probably a miniseries. Yeah, there's a lot of those. I really feel like I was I, I missed the bus on it, and I was like, I'm going to get back on, and then there were like 12 series, and I was like, I can't. Well, yeah, <laughs> you missed the bus, and then suddenly it exploded into 45 yeah. you know, books. And then I was like, well, not now. <laughs> Sorry. You did you too much. One. Yeah. I think it's totally unrelated to what's happening in the other books, but sure, uh, for sure. There's and books. those books we wanted to talk about. There's a lot of books I could have talked about more, but we have a show to do. We have to move on and talk about the patron pick, which is where at Patreon.com/slash/ifanboy, which Josh mentioned earlier, everyone who joins up to become a patron can vote to add a book to the rundown. And this week, as sometimes happens, there was a tie, so we got two books here. Yeah, Astro Hustle number one from Dark Horse writer Jay Nitz, art Tom Riley. Colors Ursula Decay and Letters by Crank. That's our first book we're going to talk about. And uh, much to my surprise, I actually really like this book. Uh, I really liked it. It's a miniseries and I'm probably going to read the whole thing. I I think I liked it. It was funny because right at first I was like, really? We're going to do sexy aliens? I'm going to spoil it, sorry. Uh, at least as, as much as I'm able. I was really going to we're going to do sexy aliens and I thought, that's weird. And then they all got killed and I was like, oh, the sexy aliens are gone. <laughs> I kind of got upset about it because I was because little at first I was like, really, is that a good choice? And I thought, I'm really interested to see what they do with sexy aliens. There's there's well, it's, some. It's a whole seventies aesthetic, so you yeah. tell from the title. Um, this you've got a very sort of disco-y title. Uh, the sponsor, and then you know, as Josh said, it's sexy aliens, and the guys show up, and they've got you know chains and cherry chests and speedos, and they're they're clearly there's a, there's a sexy alien orgy happening on the space show. Oh yeah, space yeah. Show. Sexy alien key party. And it's the West Village go, in the seventies down there. Things go awry. There's pirates. There's um, sci-fi. I mean, I I had a really fun time reading it, and I thought the Tom Riley art was really good. I think the art was my favorite part, and through the whole thing, I thought oh, this is a really nice looking book. Again, this is the theme of the week, by the way. So if all the books look good, we're gonna be happy. Um, I, I lost the thread a little bit um, in terms of like what was actually happening. Uh, certainly after everyone was killed. Um, and I kept meeting to the, the, the character that I guess the protagonist is, is uh, Chen Andalu, which is, which is a play on the 
film, The Chien Andalou, but which I know is a film, but I don't remember anything about it. So I kept meaning to look that up and see like what the gag was there. But it was, I don't know. I feel like maybe it was too clever by an eighth. Not a half. So, so a, a criminal who was in like sort of uh, sentenced to colonial exploration, which is apparently very dangerous, comes back after 60 years of suspended animation and he is tried and, and sentenced to death. But then some pirates break out his cellmate, who's also who's the pirate captain, and he gets up on ends up on a pirate ship, and then it's space pirates versus sci-fi cops, and I, I just I was like, you know what, this was fun. This is this was what you were talking about earlier for me, comics with a capital uh, with an exclamation point, right? And um, and it looks great. So it's only four issues. So I'll read it. Mm-hmm. I had a good time reading it. Un chien andalou is a 1929 Franco-Spanish silent surrealist short film by uh, Luis Buñuel. Uh, and artist Salvador Dali. Mm. So it's a little bit of a film school snob reference. I don't know how that necessarily relates to the character and what it is in the plot, but I, I knew I'd heard of it somewhere because there have, are mustaches. That would be my only. Yeah, that's true. I, I have, I have, I have a smattering of film history that is slowly going away in my head, but uh, that, that's like, a thing. like everything. Yeah, it's true. So we'll do the uh, ratings at the end. Of, let's talk about the second book that was pick, that was patron pick meet the scrolls. Number one, Written by Robbie Thompson, art by Nico Henrichon. Again, really yep. strong art. Wow. Um, it's yeah. going to be difficult for me to quite do this without wrecking some of what I have to say about the movie that came mm-hmm. out. That's as much as I'm, I want to say on it. But I will go far as to say that I really very much enjoyed this. This was the Scrolls meet Tom's King's vision. Yep. Sort of. Not even sort of. It was pretty, no, it was pretty directly pretty, related. Pretty, yeah. I thought it worked really well i was very interested in the characters and the setup and like i'm trying to figure out basically you've got a family of scrolls and they're all uh trying to infiltrate whatever the various uh mechanisms of society that they're in uh the the, the wife works for a congressperson or is a congressperson i wasn't totally clear on that a, a politician of some kind uh the the husband works at stark industries uh and the the, the kids the two teenage daughters jobs that are infiltrate social circles for some reason that is not entirely clear right now but the one daughter is totally not into it um but they're all it's all related to one specific <laughs> the uh, project program, project blossom which is yeah. a project apparently to make scrolls uh very easily identifiable so yep. they're all working the infiltration from various angles of society they live in hartford connecticut no stanford they live in stanford which stanford, i thought was a nice touch sorry. which is where stanford, civil war started yeah. and uh it's all very visiony which i I, I understand. It's well, a at, choice. at first, I kind of wondered, like, are these like, um, like, the, like the lost sleeper cell? Like, they think the war is still going on, but it's not. Right. You know, that's what I kind of thought it might be at first, but it seems like that's not the case. I, I, I like the sort of world building of like, here's how the scrolls organizationally operate, and here's what's important to them. But the, there's a problem that the youngest daughter was raised on Earth, so she's a little more like an Earthling, which really bothers them. I, you know, we've seen that story before, but I, I liked it an awful lot. It looked really good, and it, it was fun to read. And, and I was like, oh, I want to know what happens next, because uh, you know the the parents are, you know, they they want to uh, adhere to their ways, but they also like want their daughter to be happy, and it's just it's just you know sort of an it, it's an interesting family dynamic. It's there was it's, even sexual politics in that the. Wife is uh, is the higher ranked yep. officer, but the fu- the husband's buddy is their boss. So the boss is always updating the husband instead of the wife. And 
Yeah, and it's also it's a little related to if you you know if you liked Ms. Marvel. I mean, these aren't this isn't a Muslim family, but there was a lot of that same kind of thing. Like, no, this is our way, you know. And like, I don't I don't want your way. So it it I don't know it it fit in really well with a lot of the things that have been happening at Marvel. I think this is solid. So let's do ratings. Ratings. Ratings for Astro Hustle number one out of five. I'm gonna give it a four. I'll give it a three and a quarter stars. You sticking with it? Probably not. No, I will, I'm going to stick with it if I, if I remember. I'm, I'm really make, glad that make, you. I like hearing no that you promises. like a thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, meet the scrolls out of five ratings. I'm going to give it. I mean, it was a solid book. The writing was strong. The art was good. I'm mm-hmm. going to give it a three point five. Three point seven five is where I'm going to go. Four. I, I think four might be stepping a little. Bit. Next issue, we'll know. If it was a four. So for right now, I'm going to go 3.75. It was strong. I enjoyed it. I'm glad that I was... So you're uh, sticking with it? Yes, I am. I don't I don't know that I am. It's going to depend on the week. I, I yep. liked it, but I don't know if it's enough to read it on a, like a 25-week book. Yeah. 25-book no, week. I, I get that. So we'll see what happens. So those are the books. Patreon.com slash iFanboy. If you want to vote to add a book to the rundown, good job this week, Patreon. That is how that's supposed to work. Uh, you can do whatever you want. You can, but I thought that it was very valuable this week, both for us and you. That's my guess. I, I would never have read Astro Hustle, so I'm glad. Right. You know, those are the books we want to we want to get exposed to. But also at Patreon.com/slash/fanboy, if you give it the five dollar or higher level, you get your own superpower on the show, live, sometimes made up on the spot, and not prepared for. Okay, well that's not it's, the way it's, that it's working with me. I'm gonna go first. Give you a little time to get your breath. All right, Kyle Windle. He knows everyone's name. Not only that, but he knows how to pronounce it. There's never... <laughs> oh, and this is... Of course, that's Steve Helfenschwindel. Like, he knows everyone's name and how to pronounce them. So that mm-hmm. is not a social awkwardness that, uh, that, that he's ever had to deal with, Kyle. Kyle Windle. See, I don't even know how to pronounce it. I'm going to say Windle, but it could be Windler. I don't know. Uh, but Kyle would know that is the point. And and it makes him really useful to have as a as a friend at parties, unless he uses it against you, which is also possible. But uh, like for example, he would know how to pronounce Joe Caramagna. Move on. <laughs> Over the years, he ha- we have pronounced it correctly. I, I understand. But like many things, when it's in your head, it's that's just the way it's. Well, like head. that's the thing. If you listen to the talk split that I did with him, like. Um, I started the show and I go, I'm here with, I just need to make sure that I have your name right because I have this horrible fear of getting people's names wrong, so I don't use them. But in that, I was just, I'm just going to ask you right away. That's the best way I have to deal with it. Good job. That's how you should do it. Yeah. Filippo Dulio, um, he attracts all the dust. So <laughs> if uh, he could stand in the middle of a room... And activate his powers, and suddenly everything is is dust free. All the dust is gone from from surfaces and electronics, and it just Where does it he go? tracks it all. There's a, there's a ball in front of him of dust, and then he can get rid of it. Can he turn it off and on? Yeah, he can activate it. Okay, it's not like he's walking around and dust is constantly flying at him. Yeah, because if he had an allergy, that would be. Does he have an allergy? No. Good. But, but he's great if you have allergies. But call call him over and be like, "Can you just get the dust out of here?" I'll tell just... you something. I got a dog. I got some like the dust. It just is un. It's unrelenting. Yeah, I have carpet in my apartment that I can't get rid of, and it's just it's. Do you ever do you ever like like look at the top battle. the top edge of your books and you're just like, oh, these are ruined forever, <laughs> and there's nothing you can do. 
It's killing us. The dust is killing us. It's true. And it is also us, too. Mm-hmm. It's true. It's we're, we're, so we're killing ourselves. You know, uh, Kevin Carpenter, mm-hmm. I'm going to try to explain this as best I can. You know that character in Grant Morrison's X-Men who's basically his mutant thing is that he's a chicken? Yes. Kevin Carpenter, <laughs> Kevin Carpenter is a human hybrid cardinal. So the okay. red bird. Yes, I, I I'm familiar. What what part of him is human? What part of him is cardinal? I mean, he basically appears like like a, a an Human, anthro. humanoid shaped cardinal. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so red plumage and the cardinal head. Beautiful blue, beautiful plumage. But because of this, I thought I would share with you some facts about cardinals. Okay. okay. This, is, this is exciting for me. Many people were perplexed each spring by the sight of a cardinal attacking its reflection in a window, car mirror, or shiny bumper. Apparently, this is the thing that happens. So, Both males so and... Wait, does Kevin constantly attack himself in the mirror? Hold on. Like he, goes to, he goes to shave in the morning. Both male and females do this, most often in the spring and early summer, because they're obsessed with defending their territory against intruders. They may spend hours fighting these, these intruders without giving up. A few weeks later, as aggressive hormone levels subside, the attack should end. So really, April to July, <laughs> he can't you got to keep Kevin away from reflective services. Yeah. Did you know that the cardinal is the state bird of seven states? I did not know that. Yeah. There's more. There's, it's like Springfield. Uh, one more fact. One more fact. Only a few North American songbirds sing. Uh, but the northern, the female northern cardinal does it often while sitting on her nest, uh, and this may give the male information about when to bring food to the nest. And the mated pairs share song phrases, but the female may sing a longer or more complex song than the male. That makes sense. Yeah. Also, her song serves as text message. We need sure. Ugh, you know when you get those texts, like I know, just stop. I'm already checking out. <laughs> <laughs> Fine, I'll go back in. <laughs> Ethan, it was Ethan LJ. Yeah, it was all. His, or I mean, his name could be Ethanje. Let's ask Ethan-J. Kyle. It could be Ethan L, and then his last name is J. There's many opportunities here. We'll call him Ethanje. Ethanje, will you go see Un Chien Andalou avec moi, s'il vous plaît? Ethanje can go to the bathroom at his leisure. Meaning, go uh, on. He's never in a situation where he's like, I don't know, at a two and a half hour Marvel movie and it's had four T's and it's just like, you know, rocking back and forth and uh-huh. doing everything mentally he can. Uh-huh. Ethan never feels the pressure. He goes, oh, I'll just, and then he just goes when he needs to. So he would, you're saying that he would, he just gets up and leaves whatever he's doing and he's no, not I'm worried saying about it. He has, he has the, con- the bodily control where it's never a problem. There's no pressure. Oh. There's no um, – he's just like – he may be – he may have a full bladder, but it doesn't It doesn't bother him. When he goes to the bathroom, he may right. be a full bladder. But he doesn't like – he's never He's never bothered by it. Is there – while he's not feeling it – Is there it, ever an emergency? Uh-huh. Doesn't get, you know, there's ever like, oh, God, I got to find a bathroom emergency. It's just like – he's <laughs> fine. <laughs> Nothing like the New York City street bathroom emergency. Because <laughs> everyone who lives there knows well, some emergency receptacles that are, that are available at least around their, their offices. Oh, you have to have a couple yeah. of choices. The uh, Ethan's always fine. Yeah, the hotels are a good choice. Grand Central High. He doesn't. Ethan doesn't. Ethan does not need to know these things. If you get, you gotta have a couple of bars. You know, you can run into. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Uh, that's true. Boy, you're not kidding about those Marvel movies. <laughs> I was last fanboy. <laughs> that's where you can go at the five dollar high level, get your own superpower, or any level, and vote for the patron pick. And we do appreciate that. 
Thank you very much. We'll be announcing our next Hangout soon. Cool. Email time. Which one should we do? Uh, I think uh, I think we can do both real quick. Okay. I think we can. Ken from the Great White North says, Hey, I have an Amazon gift card. Want to buy a trade paperback of one of the great runs in comic book history, but I want something pre-Watchmen, Dark Knight Returns. So basically anything from the 1930s to the early 1980s. What should I get? Don't be afraid to go off the beaten path. Thanks, hoser. <laughs> we did it. We reduced it to the most basic, <laughs> uninteresting stereotype. Well, I just read a book, and there's a lot of stories about SCTV in it, so it's on my brain. Okay, okay. yeah. Um, Pre-Watchmen, so pre-86. It's a good uh, que- It's a really good question, and I was like, I hope Connor can answer this, because I'm, I'm blanking a little bit. Because I think there's a lot of that stuff that I know about, but I don't know that I've read enough of it. Well, I mean, there's classic stuff like uh, the 70s Shield run by Steranko. Yeah, I've read that. I, I'd say, you know, like, to me, it, it's a treasure trove of, like, like um, you know, Kirby and, and Lee on the first 50 something issues of fantastic four. They did 110, I think. Uh, but I mean, there's, there's the entire silver age, which is the birth of modern comics, uh, Marvel's birth, you know, the modern, I mean, there's a lot there. Right. So let's, let's nail this down. Uh, I'm going to say the Kree scroll war, Mm. um, the Avengers, late sixties. It's Roy Thomas. And, uh, I forget. But we we read it and talked about it on our video show a long time ago. Yeah, sure. Um, it's also very relevant to what we're doing now. Published published in 1971. Yeah, there you go. Um, oh, I just had another one that just disappeared. That Steranko Shield thing is a really a really good one. Um, Heart Traveling Heroes is the classic one. Ooh, which that's is, a really good one. Um, Neil Adams and uh, 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 Denny O'Neill. Denny O'Neill. Dick Giordano on inks. Um, that's the classic. Road trip across America with Hal Jordan and Oliver Queen as as Oliver Queen opens Hal's eyes to the struggle of the colors, not just the green man or the yellow man, but the black man. Uh, I think that um, even though it's sort of related to the 1986 thing, uh, there's a lot of value in reading uh, early Alan Moore stuff. Um, if you were to go read, uh, if you could find Miracle Man, Marvel Man, and get through that stuff, uh, I think that's super interesting stuff um you know like i could like i'd pick i'd find there's collections of them but there's like wally wood ec comics and things like that there's old war comics mm. that, that joe Kubert did um uh the, the the death of captain marvel that was the one i was i was trying to think of jim starlin oh yeah um that stuff's really good but when was man of steel that's after 86 yeah it's that was 80, post-crisis 89. Uh, it's Dark Phoenix I mean, you Saga. Have, you have uh, Dark Kirby's Phoenix Saga. New Gods. Oh yeah, yeah, that's great. Kirby's Orion, New Gods. There's a bunch of spinoffs from that kind of thing. Um, the I would say you know uh, Craven's Last Hunt, mm-hmm. Amazing Spider-Man stuff. A lot of those Amazing Spider-Man runs. Uh, if you the, get Bronze Age collections, I mean, there's a lot of them out. Yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. DC put out a lot of uh, big omnibus collections recently. So you can there's just you know the original Justice League comics and. And old Avengers books are... I really tend to think... I know I'm not... It's not like the best, but you can actually find these things collected by this, but I, I tend to think, go f- find what the masters did. You know, like 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 read um, 
uh, Ditko's Doctor Strange. Read, uh, yeah, Eisner is a contract with God. Um, is that's a really good one actually to read. Um, you know, anything you can find that that Joe Kubert did. If you think about the fact that like he helped train all these artists that came after it. Uh, it there's there's good stuff. The Bronze Age is a really interesting and fertile time. Yeah, uh, it's it stuck between. It's stuck between the Silver Age and then the, the encroaching modern comics. Yeah. I mean, Hard uh, Traveling Heroes is a very modern story told in the Bronze Age. Um, the Silver Age is great, too. If you like that sort of pulpy sci-fi, it's all very sci-fi infused. And so if you like that. Do they stuff. still do the greatest Batman stories? Ever? Like, is that still in print? I, mean, I don't know if it's in print, but they, they did that at one point. Yeah. Uh, like the greatest Batman stories ever told and the greatest Joker stories ever told, those were huge for me when I was when I was younger. Like in just sort of yeah. seeing bits from everything. It gives and, you a, it gives you like a overview of the yeah. different ages. Uh, they did they did a couple of Batman volumes of Joker and they did Batgirl I think as well. I have um, I have a one of those Marvel omnibuy omnib- of uh, Jack Kirby's uh, Captain America uh, when he came back to Marvel. Um, he he did, wrote and drew Captain America on his own. Yeah. Um, the story's wacky. It's all over the place, but it's gorgeous to look at. Henry Kissinger is one of the main characters. It's weird. Um, <laughs> like, basically everything that happened came after that. You know, like, it was... Yeah. Uh, sorry, Sergeant Rock. If you find Sergeant Rock comics, those are great. Oh, for sure. Great old war comics. Yep. Uh, Russ Heath, I think, did those. Yeah, Russ Heath, for sure. Yep. So there's a lot of great stuff there, pre-86. I mean, the comics did not start in 86 or, and or get good in 86. They've been good the entire... Yeah the entire time. So you can find a lot of great stuff from that pre-Watchmen modern comics era. 100%. Blake, Blake writes and says, I was wondering if either of you have strong memories or perhaps moments in history more generally that are tied to any comics or comics-related events. I've been thinking about this during the run-up to Captain Marvel, so several months, and how my daughter was born the day after my wife and I saw the Avengers in the theaters. Because of that, the Avengers will always have a special place in my memory. I also like to joke that this is my, why my daughter has a preternatural Affinity for Captain America. I even sent some photos of her dressed as Captain America, which she's cute. adorable. Um, do you? I hope you do. I do. I, I have lots of them. I mean, with us, like uh, like so many things are related to. If I just think about you know people that we met, things that we did at shows, things that are are comics related, but more specifically, it's really funny because you were just talking about um, the bathroom thing in the Marvel movies, and I very specifically remember that when I went to see the first Iron Man. Um, we had just we had just started doing iFanboy full time a couple of months before yeah. that, um, so it was all very new, and that was also right after I got my dog, um, who was a puppy at that point, and I never had a dog before, and and it was the longest that I had ever left the house with and left him home alone, and I was super anxious about that, and then also I had to pee for like the whole second half of that movie, and so at the end of it, and this is the first time we've ever seen those uh, post credit sequences. Yeah, And so I knew I had to sit there and wait, and it's the middle of the day in Queens, and I'm just sitting there, and I'm worried about my dog, and I have to pee. I'm like, what am I watching through this credit? And then, you know, Nick Fury shows up, and it's a thing. <laughs> but, like, I will never forget that. Like, I feel like I have to pee when I watch that movie, and then I, right. I, I feel uh, affection towards my dog. That's the, the first thing that I well, think like of. Marvel credits are so long, you can run out. Go to the bathroom and come back. Time. I didn't know that then. There was no precedent. Sure. La- last night I saw Captain Marvel and I was, and I Googled. I was like, is there a second credit sequence? Because I don't know if I have to sit here because I really want to go home. There always is. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know there is now. Um, I don't know that that one was worth it. But uh... – <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean I always – I. 
Uh, it's hard. I mean, I, I always remember you having to drop out of the show at the last minute when your when your first kid was born. Yeah. So I think it was. I think you even had the pick. I did. Or was that when you had appendicitis? I had the pick of the week. It was Judd Winnick's Power of Shazam miniseries. It was the pick, and then between the pick that I wrote and the show that was to be recording, uh, Lindsay went into labor with the first boy. That's right. So I remember twice in our history, the person with the pick of the week couldn't do the show. Uh-huh. And it was both both you. It was both you. Yeah. It was one one you had appendicitis and one you had a kid. Both involved in the hospital, and so that's what it takes to keep me off the show, people. I remember uh, Ron and I having to be like, so I guess will we read his? Will we just read his review? Like, how are we going to do this? So I don't remember how I don't remember what we did, but um, stuff like that. Well, I, I will. I any big life events? I can't remember anything like, like that around town. I th- I think it's hard sometimes to pin them to specific things, but like I remember. I remember reading. This is this is gonna sound egotistical, but I remember I used to um I used to read my books in Grand Central Station. Mm-hmm. I'd go I'd go over to Midtown Comics uh, on Forty Second. No, it's not Forty Second. It was on on Lexington. Forty. Oh, that one. Yeah, the the yeah the one up by Grand Central basically because it was closer to me than going to going to Midtown. Um, and then I take my I'd read my comics around there somewhere. A lot of times I would go down to Grand Central get something to eat and read comics down there. And I remember um opening up one of those and seeing like our ad because we did a deal with dc comics then mm-hmm. we traded i don't literally remember what we gave them for that but they put our ad in there uh and i was just sitting there like looking around like does anybody else see this <laughs> like it was right there um a lot of times panels and things remind me of stuff that we did video shows on because mm-hmm. we had to spend so much time with those so it's not like a comic issue I could, I could always, every time I look at like a bad Green Lantern uh, or a story like that that has something to do with like all the different Lantern Corps, I'm like, I was right about Black Lanterns. <laughs> or every time it's, I think about this. It's hard because uh, for me, I've always read comics. Yeah. So I don't really, I mean, there's sort of always, you can, you can almost pick any life event and comics have been somewhere nearby. So it's hard I, to say like, oh, I'm, you know, I remember this because this happened, but. I remember moments of reading them in different places with different things going on, but I don't always remember what that book was. Right. I remember reading Watchmen in my dorm room our senior year. It wasn't a dorm. It was like dorm apartment things. And you were in and out while I was reading it. That's right. And, I, and, I, and it was sort couch. of the first time. You know what? Actually, it's a, it, Justice League number one. Grant Morrison's Justice League number one. Mm-hmm. Like, I think Jared, our our mutual friend, Sort of like you need to read this, you know. That's right. And and then again, that's where where you were way into it. And I remember like later that year, or it was the next year, uh, was Peter David's um, Aquaman run, and he had a big scraggly beard, and he was mad at everything. And you were going through a rough time, and so you had a scraggly beard too, and you went through <laughs> your like uh, your your grizzled Aquaman phase. I always that's think right. of that. Um, like there's I had, a ton of they them. Had that cover taped to my wall. I remember going to that comic shop in Ithaca with you and Ron and, and whoever else was in our crew around that time and buying um, Mark Miller's Flash issues. And that was the first, and then later Mark Wade's, and that was the first time I got introduced to those characters in that Rose Gallery. And I always think of that whenever I see Reverse Flash, Professor Zoom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then also the, the Black Razor, uh, who's now I didn't, I know now is a Kirby character. But. Um, you know, I, I, those characters always make me think. When, literally, whenever I see Professor Zoom, it takes me right back to that comic shop uh, with right. you guys. Um, Walt Simonson's yeah. Thor. I mean, there's a lot. I, mean, I yeah, it, comics are you know, 
since they come out all the time and mm-hmm. they're never not coming out, they're 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 constantly attached to places and time and things. Yeah, um, different than other media. I mean, I obviously have memories around going to the movies or watching a TV show with friends or whatever. But because comics have always been there, I can you know certain comics we can think of college, certain comics we can think of junior high school. <laughs> I remember, so I remember the three of us walking out of Spider Man three, like what the fuck are we supposed to do with that? <laughs> <laughs> going back to your house and recording the podcast. Yeah. Yep. I remember us standing in line, the three of us and Lindsay, to go see 300. It was like in the middle of the day. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I went with you to a lot of them in those times. Yeah, we both lived in New York. Yeah. Yeah, I remember going to see Jonah Hex and we came out and we were like, oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, and the the amazing um, Punisher Warzone friends and family screening. But <laughs> 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 like everybody was like, oh, no. <laughs> this is terrible. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. So there's a lot of we have a lot of comics memories because there's there's a lot of comics and and uh, good times, good times. So thanks Absolutely. to Blake and Ken for writing in. Contact at ifanboy.com is how you do it. Get on the show. And if you want to hear more, as Josh mentioned, Captain Marvel. We did a Captain Marvel podcast it's right behind the show on the feed. You can find it there. Me and Josh and Ryan Hop talked about the film, and you'll find out what we thought, and we'll find out what we thought on back on the feed. Yeah, absolutely. You can also listen to the conversation I had with uh, letterer and writer and artist Joe Caramagna. Uh, you'll see his name almost pretty – not even almost. Every single week in your comics, you're going to see his name. Um, but maybe you didn't know anything about what it's like to be a comic book letterer or how you get there. Uh, Joe's a really good guy, and he was really fun to talk to. Um, and uh, you should go listen to that show if you haven't. I, 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 A little part of me thinks – you're not going to listen to this because it's not you know Grant Morrison or whatever. But to me, the folks who are making comics – and this is a guy who's like – his thing is that he's really just happy to be making a living making comics. He loves right. being involved with making comics. And that kind of enthusiasm I think is so heartening and refreshing. So I, re- I really dug talking to him. And if you haven't checked that out, I, I really recommend that you do. Well, one of the favorite shows we ever did for the video was when we did Chris Oyopoulos. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's interesting to get a different perspective on things. And those guys also usually have been around forever and know everybody. So it's a, yeah. they've got great stories. He he really, like, he like, I know Chris Oyopoulos is a great guy. Like, I know it. But Joe sort of explained another couple of reasons that he is. And I thought that was a really, really fascinating bit of that, too. Head over to fanboy.com. You can find all those podcasts there as well as all of our old shows and some of our old written content is there as well. And you can find out what the pick of the week is before the show comes out by liking facebook.com slash ifanboy and following at ifanboy on Twitter. And some eagle-eyed social media users have noticed that we soft-launched an Instagram account a couple about a month ago, maybe a few weeks ago. We, we, we didn't want to fully announce it on the show until we sort of played with it a little bit, decided how we were going to use it. So one of the main things we do is we announce the pick there, obviously, in the shows that we do, but also... On Thursdays and Fridays, we've been doing, we've been returning to our best of the weekend panels feature, and that's found exclusively on our Instagram account at ifanboycomics. So you can go there now if you haven't seen it yet. And there's there's weeks worth of best of the weekend panels happening there. We don't know how many we, we, we do each week. We don't know who's going to do them. There's always a couple at least. Some weeks are heavier than others, but we have a fun time doing that on Instagram at at at, at ifanboycomics. So go there. Uh, give it a follow. Check it out. It's, fun. it's a lot of fun. And also individually at J.A. Flanagan on Twitter and Instagram and at C.S. Kilpatrick on Instagram. If you like this show, uh, you can go to iTunes and you can leave a rating. You can leave a whole review. Um, that's that's how it gets done. Uh, and do that for our show. Do that for other shows. Don't do that for Around Comics. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but don't. I mean, we don't. never left you. They left you. It's true. We, we literally can't stop. I don't know. We've tried. 
one time or another, one of us made a run for it, but it just <laughs> it didn't take. Um, and that person saw a movie, and that movie convinced them to, to stay. Yep. I saw that movie on TV the other day, and I thought about it. <laughs> uh so do that, or or better yet, uh, I'm I'm seeing it. I, I, I'm not saying that this is working, but it seems like it. I feel like I'm seeing recommendations a lot on on the Twitter uh, for folks who are like, "Hey, what should I listen to?" And whenever somebody just says, "Oh man, I've been listening to this show for a decade," uh, I'm I'm very touched by that, and I, I think it says something to other people. And then every time I think, "I hope that other person likes it," I totally <laughs> think that. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> and I think, "Oh, they're not going to like it." <laughs> <laughs> like they're not gonna get it they're gonna think what is this crap um but i i, I so appreciate when you folks do that um we both do uh so that's that's how it works that's what we need your help on not a big ask nope and that'll do that's it for this week's show i'm connor i'm josh see you next week good art <laughs>